Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in. Like, you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. David Cross. Hi, Andy. How are you? Uh, good. Thank, thank you for it's being on my podcast. Yeah, considering uh, we're all hunkered you're down. You're welcome. Now, is this so? Uh, is this a visual podcast, or is, is there such a thing? Or uh, we are well, the visual podcast, I believe, is what's known as a television show, and this is definitely not a television show. So this even is, even though we're doing this via Zoom, this will just be audio. Yes. You, okay. Yeah. So you can okay. you can do whatever you don't have to worry about your carefully crafted look. So I should you know. put my clothes back on. No, 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 okay. no. Okay, right. leave them on. Okay. I actually I recorded my first in home uh, podcast yesterday, and I did not. I was in my bedroom as I am now, but uh, the bed looked like uh, there had been a wrestling match on it, which there hadn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually I I did make it for you today. So, um, all right. Uh, if I, I mean, this may annoy you, may be frustrating. Can I ask you to mess it up a little bit? Oh yeah. Hold on. Well, no, and I'm not going to do that because no one's going to see the video. It would just be for you. And well, you, uh, cl- you cleaned it just for me. You I know I did. Well, I know because I that, but then to at the end they bed. do like at the end they'll make us sort of like stop and do a freeze frame that they'll use as the promotional photo for this. Oh, I see. You and know, you don't, so you don't want to deal with all the Photoshop. I don't. I have ch- I don't have children. I want I don't want them to know that I'm a slob. Uh, might be a bit late for that. I know. I know. Well, where are you? Are you uh, upstate? Are you? In yeah, New York I'm, I'm City? upstate. Uh, I am in a uh, little town where I've I've had a house for going on 13 years now, and uh, and it's you know I'm very very lucky and privileged to have it um, to be able to get out of the city, and yeah, we're in week three of uh, the self quarantining. Yeah, did and, you what what did it take for you guys to finally like hunker down? Like, because I know I, for me, it seemed like, I mean, and it's not because of Trump or anything. It's just like, yeah, I mean, how serious is this? What should I be doing? Should I? And then it really did. I think, I think the NBA, like canceling games was, and not that I'm even a big sports fan. I just was like, oh shit, basketball games are canceled. Well, it was, uh, maybe I should um, stay indoors. I, d- I don't know if there was a specific thing. Um, I guess it was a, a a general. 
I guess it was the accumulation of and the uh, exponentially increasing urgency of uh, the edicts to to stay indoors, to you know, socially distance, all that stuff. And I've got a three year old, so yeah, even yeah. if you know, I felt a little immortal three weeks ago, and now I don't feel that way. And um, you know, it's uh, also I live, uh, you know, in in New York, and it's very densely packed there, and um, and. I, I I guess it was uh, obviously it was you know this uh, as I said this is going into week three so this started a little over two weeks ago yeah. so whatever that date was whatever was happening where where we were like okay this is serious yeah 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 you know? I think I think it was like a Thursday for me that I just was like all right I got to stay home but even then it's it's hard you know because I mean my kids are my kids are home they're obviously my son had come home from college he uh, in New York City. For spring break and they have since told him like don't come back and yeah. um and it's so hard but they, down, you know because right? they, they're they kicked them out uh they live with my ex-wife correct? in a different house and they live here with me in this house and it's you yeah, know I it's sort it. of like um let's get off let's get off the covid19 stuff all right you know um yeah. let's get to uh how long have you you have a place in new york city how long have you lived there uh, it, well, I, I've been living in New York since early 2001. Yeah. Um, and I was in the East Village for, geez, 11 years, I want to say. And then, uh, I was in, I moved to Brooklyn and I was in Dumbo for a little, little bit, which I really didn't care for. And then, uh, right before my daughter was born, literally, uh, uh, nine days, um, uh, I bought my dream home. I got a, a brownstone in, in Brooklyn, and it's uh, it's pretty amazing. But yeah, I'm not in the I'm not in the traditional you know Woodstock kind of uh, Hudson Rhinebeck area. It's still pretty woodsy Woodstock. over there, though, right? Oh yeah, no, I'm in the middle of the woods. It's great. It's beautiful. It's like uh, I mean, as I was saying before, I've been up here, uh, going on my 13th year here, and. Uh, um, it, it's, it's, it's just absolutely, I mean, it's, it's half the price, if not more, or, you know, uh, two thirds of the, the price or a third of the price of, uh, um, you know, those, those places up there. Um, it's really cheap around here. It's, I got a lot of land. It's beautiful. It's, uh, you know, and, and everybody here is really cool. The neighbors and, um, it's very peaceful and I, I quite like it. It's not like, does it get kind of conservative out there in the country or no? It does, but it's, um, you know, everyone is willing to have a conversation. I, 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 you know, I've been in bars where it it can get a little heated, uh, but everyone listens to each other. I mean, there's some, you know, there's some dramatically different opinions on things, yeah, uh, yeah. And there's definitely, you know, you don't have to go, you, you're not going to travel for more than a couple minutes without seeing a big, you know, Trump sign or Trump yeah. huge flag and some of these places. But uh, I, I mean, you know, going back to, to Bush, uh, I mean, I've, I, I've, 
you can always have a conversation. It's like it's people don't jump down each other's throats. It's not like Twitter, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, um, you can have a a you know a real conversation. As I said, it gets heated sometimes, and and especially if you know you're you're sitting at a bar, and then there's all of a sudden within the conversation as it naturally flows, and then there's people joining in, and there's like four people who feel this way and then four people who feel differently, then it can get a little heated, but it's never gotten like ugly or anything like that. And, and all the time I've been up here and, um, and it's, it's great. You know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I'm used to it. You know, I grew up in Georgia and, uh, have had my opinions, uh, and been kind of the, my, my philosophy and, uh, approach, uh, you know, since I was a, preteen and uh you know so it's uh, i'm used to having those conversations um but you forget when you're in new york city or la you don't really have you talk you tend to talk to people with uh, uh who are like-minded you know? yeah yeah um so it's it's uh it's a, a reminder of you know uh what i grew up with and you know how you can you don't have to be an asshole when you're talking if i'm yeah, a, if i'm right. a stand up and it's a monologue yeah, I can sort of afford to air my views that way. But in a dialogue, you know, nobody yeah, wants yeah. to do that. Yeah, right, exactly. And it is, you know, it also, when you're, it does, it is helpful, I think, to go out to places where, because you're absolutely right in, in New York City and Los Angeles, like it's surprising when I am around, like I remember, and it was shortly after Trump was elected and I I was recording something that was like a kid's cartoon or something at a recording studio. And I was another actor in the waiting room and I, we were talking about Trump and I was talking very frankly about my low opinion of him. And I sensed this tension from all the people around me. And then I found out later that it's the studio where Scott Bayo records his podcast, his right wing podcast. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of like, Oh, it's, this studio is full of Republicans, which is just, it's so yeah. strange out here to, you know, to, to come across that. Um, but yeah, it is, you know, yeah, you and being, kinda... a, being a Republican back then when he was first elected was a little different. Um, yeah, a little know, bit. There's still, I, I mean, I, I would say, I mean, the, the Republicans that are, are backing him now are, I mean, have just made a, you know, complete 180 uh, not all of them, of course, but I mean, uh, there have been so many, uh, people that he's put off and, um, uh, it's just, so somebody who's backing him at this stage is, I think, uh, different than somebody, than the people who were backing him initially. Yeah. Yeah. They, With there's all we know and plenty of, the, plenty of time you know, to, to get buyer's remorse about him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a demonstrable, you know, uh, especially now. You know. Yeah. So uh, you say you grew up now. You grew up in Georgia, right? Yeah. I. I. I uh, the longer answer is I was born in Georgia, and then I moved around constantly when I was a kid. I'd be in a different place every year. Uh, play lived in a couple, three places in Florida, two places in Connecticut, three places in New York, and then moved back to Georgia when I was nine. And stayed there until I was nineteen. Why? Why? Why so transient? Why such like a transient? Uh, uh, 
my father just got fired a lot. Oh, you really? Uh, yeah, he would, or he'd like, you know, quit in a huff. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but mostly it was about getting, he was, he, my dad was just, uh, uh, not a great guy and, uh, um, and, and wildly irresponsible and, and vain and selfish and, uh, um, you know, it, nothing was ever his fault. He's Trump. He's basically like Trump without the money. Um, uh, very charming, very, really charming guy. Very funny, very affable and extroverted. And, you know, it just like a, like poor, poor, poor man's scam artist with, with zero, you know, uh, intellect. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so it, so there was a lot of, um, but as I said, every single year we'd be in some place new. What kind of jobs? Were um, he was he was selling. Um, uh, I think when I was like when I was born, in the first couple of years, he worked for a uh, women's uh, bathing suit company. He was a salesman. Ooh la and, la! Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I remember it was Coal of California, um, and then he. Got into uh, what was he doing? Then he got into um, what, what brought us out of Florida? It was uh, um, oh, then he had a he he and another guy started their own business uh, selling women's clothing, like a store, you know, an, an actual brick and mortar place store. And um, and then uh, I remember he, they had this contest, right, where it was like sign up for a raffle. And, you know, if you come in, you buy $50 worth of stuff, you sign up for a trip to Bermuda. Well, shockingly, um, he and his partner won that trip to Bermuda. And, um, <laughs> and <laughs> for real. And then that thing got shut down. And then we had to move again. And then he started getting into... Um, uh, I mean, there were some places where he just didn't have a job and he was looking and uh, I don't even know why we, how or why we ended up in Syracuse, New York and what we were doing there. And then we lived with my grandma for a little while when he had no job. I was like six months there. And then, and then we moved to Roswell, Georgia, um, because he was going to work at a, uh, he got work at a, as a sh manager chef guy at a um country club and that didn't last too long and then uh and then we got evicted from the apartment we were in and then it, so we were kind of my sisters and i were split up for a little bit and then you know they were crashing at some friends and i was crashing with another friend and i don't know where my mom and dad ended up crashing for a little bit but um uh then then we got into uh, uh, an apartment complex, um, and then my dad left. Mm. How, how are, are you the youngest? I'm the oldest. I'm You're the oldest. The oldest. Oh, two, okay. Yeah, two sisters. Wow. Um, it's yeah. amazing. It's I'm always amazed by people that in during all of that instability, like, oh yeah, let's have two more kids. You know what I mean? Like it's. Well, I mean, you know, the, the thing is, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and yeah. my yeah, mom, uh, my mom had a, had a, a pretty bad relationship with her mom. Uh, both my grandparents, uh, grandfathers died before I was born, but 
her mom uh, told her that, you know, uh, and my grandma was harsh, man. She was cold. She was cold. And uh, um, their relationship was not a fun thing to watch. And um, it just like belittled my mom uh, through her life. And, uh, you know, my mom, uh, you know, my grandmother said, this guy's a loser. He's, 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 he's full of shit, et cetera, et cetera. And my mom was just, um, you know, swept off her feet by him. And he's this, he was like, my mom, you know, uh, was very plain looking and, um, intellectual and didn't, did not very social. And, um, you know, the in sweeps this guy who's uh, he's from England. He's from Leeds, and he would play. Oh, up, wow. I, I would watch him play up his accent. And he was he was everything she was not, and he was really and you believed him. You just bought yeah. his and you bought his hope and optimism and enthusiasm, even though you knew it was you know. And and there were uh, increasingly different examples of how he's full of shit and how he you know is completely irresponsible and. You know, I think for the three kids and, and uh, you know, my sister was a honeymoon baby. And then there was maybe, I don't know, maybe two, a year and a half to two years in between her and uh, our other sister. And, and you know, so it was pretty quick, popping them out pretty quick. Yeah. And, uh, um, and, you know, you just believe it. It's There's a Stockholm Syndrome quality to it yeah. you just you you believe it because you have to believe it my mom had no you know she had a uh she was a, an english teacher she had no skills beside that and and uh um and you know wanted to leave my dad several times uh i only learned this you know uh, fairly recently um uh and just couldn't and she she was she's not the strongest person and, and uh um, and then, you know, it was sort of a, a mixed blessing, uh, when he did leave, uh, I mean, we were, had no money and in debt. And, uh, I remember my mom having to get a, I can't remember what she got first, like a, a gasoline credit card, like a Sitco or a Sunoco card and had to pay use that to then get a Sears card, buy things and then pay that off to build her credit up in this. And it took a long time just to get an actual card. I mean, we're talking years. Yeah. And, uh, meanwhile, she's saddled with all this debt. She has three kids, uh, no money. And, uh, and also three kids who were, you know, kind of miserable. Uh, I didn't want to be in Roswell and stuck in this <laughs> shithole apartment complex. And yeah, um, uh, well, that was, and, that's, know, actually, getting... that's something that I, I wanted to ask is like, how do you know, like, is there, a, is this kind of instability, does it wear on you as a child? Like, are you like, how, what, what does it do to you or, or is it just, you know, cause kids can be so malleable that they can just kind of get yeah, used it's, to it's anything. It's both. It's, seemingly. uh, I mean, there are definitely pros and cons to it and, uh, the, the cons being, uh, you know, it's difficult to walk into a new school every year. Um, you're the new kid and, um, uh, and especially, I, well, I shouldn't say especially, but, but clearly, and in a, in a marked way, when I moved back to Georgia, 
um, all of a sudden, you know, I was, I was a weirdo because I was one of maybe, I don't know, five Jews and there were no, no, uh, maybe two black kids, maybe two Hispanic. I don't think any Asians like, uh, you know, I, it was kind of a rural suburb, uh, yeah. um, where I was and, you know, I, I was just different. I was, I was physically different. I, my whole essence was different and not, not, not in a, uh, not in a, in an interesting way to those kids. And I got picked on a lot. I got, I got bullied a bunch and, and sometimes by, uh, uh, people would say, you know, my dad told me to hit, this is a true thing. A, a guy, you know, said, my dad told me to hit you, uh, and tell you you're a dirty Jew. <laughs> and and uh not that that Jesus happened all Christ. the time but yeah, you know, yeah enough but it happened yeah the, the fact that it happened once is enough to be like oh yeah, man that, dude, that'll I make got an impact dime, yeah. like uh like dimes and pennies thrown at me uh when i was out of pe i was like walking the field because i had been punished for something so it, it that was a punishment was in, you know, instead of playing you had to walk in a in a perimeter you know just in circles and uh uh kids throwing pennies and dimes at me uh going pick it up jew pick it up jew like just weird shit that i'd never had confronted um and and then i went you know so the that doesn't really answer your question though about the the instability is you know uh it's i feel like i'm equipped to deal with instability now and uh um uh and i can i can deal with that stuff uh um uh should it present itself um but you know outside of that i don't see too many positives but um and the negatives being you know you just don't you don't have like i was always jealous of people who had friends that they grew up with like this is my friend from when i was five and we you know who grew up down the street and i don't have any of that yeah. you know um I mean, my oldest friends go go back to when I was like a, a teenager, um, you know, in in uh, in Georgia. I still have some, but but you know, I don't have those kind of childhood memories of like yeah, you know, those and, connections. Yeah. Do you do? You, was there a a period in your life where stability was actually kind of like hard for you to take? Like you got so used to instability that. The the Spanish American War um, was uh, <laughs> taught me a lot of life lessons. Oh, um, so you so you've learned you've learned the uh, skill of diversion by comedy. That's a, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, a, be, that's a, quite a survival skill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. What was there a say that again? Ask me. No, uh, no. Do you think like was it hard? Like after going through this childhood where it's it's so in, in, unstable and there's so much change and there's so little you have control over as you got into your young adulthood was it hard for you to handle situations where there's stability did you look for instability like i, I didn't have it. it i mean i i think that was you know that's one of the 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 negative parts of being uh that having that lifestyle instilled in you is that i it i was 
it turned out I was more irresponsible than I thought I would be, especially when I left. And I couldn't wait to get out of Atlanta. I couldn't wait to leave home. And I spent a year after I graduated starting to do stand-up. And where I worked at Pizza Hut and Domino's and, and just trying to make some money to move and go to Boston, which I eventually did. Um, and uh, while it was easy to – I was comfortable and used to – uh, the instability and, and crashing on different couches and, and, you know, having a, you know, moving in with this set of friends and sleeping in the back, uh, you know, behind the, uh, you know, behind the kitchen or whatever. Um, it was easy to do, but, it, but because it was easy and I was, and I was comfortable with it, I didn't really have a lot of drive or ambition to not do it, you I know, to, to find stability. And, and, you know, my relationships were unstable as well. And uh, um, uh, um, so, again, you know, blessing or curse. I mean, I, I, it was easy to do and I was comfortable with it, whereas some people might, uh, it might make them despondent. But it also, I just never had that thing until much later where I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit being poor, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, what what was it about Boston? Was it stand up in particular? Like, was it there enough of a scene there, and you knew? I guess it's a two part yeah, question. Well, like, how did you know it was going to be stand up for you? And then, and then was the and was Boston then a natural extension of that urge? Yeah. Well, uh, uh, as a kid, there were like there were only two things I really wanted to do, and one was uh, be a film director, whatever that meant to me, and when I was you know, 15, 16. Um, and, and then the other was stand up, and I was, uh, you know, which is something I owe to my dad. He, he turned me on to a lot of comedy and I, um, you know, uh, I really gravitated towards, uh, those other weirdos in, in our, in in the classroom and the school. And, you know, we, uh, would have our inside jokes and we were all nerdy and, uh, our thing as opposed to like sci-fi dungeons, dungeons and dragons or whatever, um, our thing was comedy. And, um, and I, you know, whereas, uh, some kids would be getting, you know, journey or foreigner or Fleetwood Mac, I'd be getting, uh, you know, uh, uh, Richard Pryor or George Carlin or Steve Martin records, you know, that's, that's a lot of what I was, um, you know, interested in. And, um, uh, and then Boston was, uh, out of, uh, uh, practicality basically, because I had, I wanted to go to NYU or, uh, a college of Boston. And I applied, uh, um, actually initially I wanted to go to UGA where all my friends were like everyone I knew, uh, uh, went to UGA and I wasn't accepted there. And then, and then I drove up and had a meeting with the Dean of admissions, this guy named Mo Phelps. And that turned into a Mr. Show sketch. Uh, when I was describing the story to Bob, he's like, we got to do something about that. And Bob played (laughs) Mo Phelps. And there's a direct quote from him in the Mr. Show sketch, but, um, which was, so I didn't get, what was the direct quote? Uh, uh, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase it a little bit because I uh, you, if you watch it it's uh, but this is to the best of my memory was um uh you uh, I told he asked me what I wanted to major in I said acting and he said 
acting. What's acting? You just get up on get up on stage, jump up and down, and yell and scream a lot. <laughs> that was the dean of admissions. <laughs> the dean of admissions. Acting and just this like old old school Southern, you know, bald with a you know polyester short sleeve shirt and a tie yeah. was choking him and waddles and and just like just deep Southern accent, just like what uh, acting? Well, what's acting? But getting up and down, getting up on stage, jumping up and down, yelling, screaming a lot, and. Uh, yeah, you so know anyway, how, I, how Lawrence Olivier, that was pretty much all he did. Oh, yeah. No, it's, the, it's Stanislavski. <laughs> I mean, if you, in a, if you want to, you know, reduce Stanislavski to yeah. its essence. One, um, of the, one, of the, one of the things that really makes Meryl Streep great is her vertical leap. Is the jump, you know, she's really <laughs> got the jumping part down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I got... Um, accepted to Emerson College in Boston uh, before I graduated. Uh, and when I went to my graduation, I kind of fucked around a little bit. And um, uh, the principal, Mr. Rudolph, wouldn't release my transcripts. I, I officially have not, um, officially haven't graduated from high school uh, and wouldn't release my transcripts unless I did like whatever it was. 500 hours of community service or something. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I was like, F that. Um, and ended up going to Emerson because I was already accepted. And then I got a Pell Grant and a little bit of a scholarship. And then I ran out of money almost immediately. But I stayed there and, uh, and you know, made a, a friends that are lifelong friends that I, I, I'm still very close with. And, you know, and that whole scene is that, you know, what would become like known as the alternative scene before there was a name for it started burgeoning in Boston. It was happening in San Francisco at the same time across the, across America on the other coast. But, you know, Boston really had a, a really, it was a very creative time and very exciting. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places. Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm John Lovett, host of Love It or Leave It. Every week, I'm joined live on stage by incredible guests to break down the biggest and dumbest stories in politics and pop culture. And now, because there's too much news for just one show, join me and my friends, also known as beloved producers who have to be there, every Tuesday for a rundown of the latest headlines to help get you through another flawless week in our perfect society. Listen to episodes of Love It or Leave It wherever you get your podcasts or catch the funniest moments on the Love It or Leave It YouTube channel.
Can't you tell my love's a growing? When you're uh, while you're while you're starting out in Boston, you're doing stand up. I mean, is there any kind of trajectory that you have, or you just kind of so used to living in the moment that it just kind of was like, oh yeah, I'll just keep doing no. this. Zero trajectory. I, I um, all the um, really cool things I've done have mm-hmm. been somebody else's idea for me to do them. Um, uh, the the like only a, thing that I kind like, of was pro proactive about was getting uh, uh, submitting my stuff via Janine Garofalo to the Ben Stiller show. Okay, um, which you know changed my life. Uh, but um, everything else has been, I've just been sort of like, yeah, cool. Just happy to, you know, do get up on stage and, you know, get my, uh, get my cash under the table and, you know, then go out drinking, you know, yeah, yeah. going to see bands. And that was, you- that was a lot of my life in Boston. And uh, um, I'm sure I'm over romanticizing it, but it was, you know, probably maybe the happiest period of my life. Did you, uh, was it from there that you went to LA? I mean, you know. Yeah. Because it does seem like. I was in. If you're that happy in Boston, LA, I mean, you know, LA, especially if you're kind of into what was, you know, then or whatever at any time, an alternative scene. I mean, was was LA sort of a daunting Uh, uh, move for you? Well, uh, I fought it a bit and I. I remember very vividly, uh, I was in this apartment that was, uh, uh, I think it was like a fourth floor walk up. It was by the projects. I was, um, right outside of Kendall square in Cambridge. And, um, and we didn't have, uh, we had roaches and we didn't have uh, good heat and we would have to, um, open up the stove and turn that on the oven, um, for heat in the winter. And I remember, being in sweatpants and like three layers. And, uh, and I remember very vividly just saying, I'm sick of being poor. And that alludes to something I said earlier. Yeah, Um, Yeah. I just was like, I'm done being poor. I'm done. And I had a, a kind of an unhealthy, uh, attitude about LA and about, show business and it's bullshit and, you know, all this, uh, annoying, uh, uh, stuff. But, um, uh, I took the job. I'm so happy I did, you know, uh, basically Ben's Ben and Judd really changed my life. I mean, I, I have to, there, there are different people throughout my life that, that, you know, altered it in a very positive way. But, you know, Ben and Judd hiring me just changed my life uh, yeah. for the better. And, um, uh, and you know, uh, obviously from there is where I met Bob Odenkirk. And then we started doing stuff together. And um, that those sketches we turned, you know, that turned into In Living Color, which is one of the most successful sketch shows. <laughs> and we gave a voice to right, uh, right. Uh, a marginalized community right. and um and to all yeah, your sketch at least all your siblings all your various uh what's well, cross uh-huh. weigh-ins right it's cross dash weigh-ins yeah. it's a hyphenated name oh uh, there's no dash it just runs right into <laughs> yeah cross weigh-ins 
Uh, yeah. Had you been writing sketches before you got the job on the Stiller show, or were you mainly thinking? Yeah, I had a I had a, um, a group of uh, uh, which is another thing that again wasn't my idea. It was actually Mark Marin was very instrumental in this and in getting uh this thing together helping me get this thing together and uh this thing called what became called cross comedy which was uh sketches mixed with it was it was an entire show that started from emanated from a uh you know open mic night you know which i would host and then we me and and uh, a number of people some you some you might know some you might not like uh, John Ennis, who was on Mr. Show, and yeah. uh, John Benjamin, Sam Cedar, yep. uh, Lauren Dabrowski, Jonathan Groff, tons of tons of uh, all really cool, talented people, and uh, we had a core group, and you know we would come up with the entirety of the show, and then we we would like one of us would be hosting, and we'd have plants in the audience that would be in planted in line to come in, and would you know heckle, and was all set up, and then the whole show would devolve into this thing that eventually had videos and sketches and, but people didn't know it was a sketch show until, you know, we had been doing it for like a year at least. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And, and like thematic shows and weird, crazy shit. We'd have a fake telethon once a year. There's all kinds of stuff. And now we have a, uh, and a thing where we would, you know, host quote unquote, the Oscars and uh, just all kinds of really cool interesting things that would always start one way and then just completely devolve. And you, you see some of that stuff, what we were doing in Mr. Show with the transitions and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but so the, yeah, those were, those were all, you know, shows that had sketches and, you know, character monologues and things like that. And, and so whole, you were, you know, you were, whole, whole ideas. Yeah. So you, you were thinking that way anyway. You were not just, you know, like you were th- you were doing stand up, but you were also thinking as an ensemble player too. So, oh yeah, and and uh, um, you know, I I also loved Python and I loved SNL and uh, um, I just loved that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, even you know when I was younger. And uh, so, when you get to LA and you're on a television show. Uh, does that kind of skepticism about LA and kind of the jive aspects of show business, does it dissipate quickly or, I mean, are you, are you so busy uh, that you don't have time to think about it? No, well, some, some, uh, you know, some, uh, uh, cliches were, uh, dispelled and some cliches were, you know, uh, I, uh, uh reinforced, reinforced. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and you know the 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 once you get to know a person or a scene or you know there it's not just this two dimensional thing um and there are real people involved and uh um and again you you find like minded people most of most of the people by far that I know who are out in l a uh came from somewhere else, you know yeah. Um, and you know, they're like-minded and, and you, you know, there's a, a, an amazing comedy community out there currently. And there always has been since I went out there and, and, uh, you know, the alternative clubs really started to blossom and, um, uh, you know, again, a very, very creative nurturing scene out there, which, 
you know, uh, Mr. Show was kind of a, a, a small part of. Yeah. You know? Was, uh, I mean, Mr. Show, it meant a lot to a, well, I'll, I'll, I don't want to say, I mean, it, it, to be sort of make it catchier, it like it meant a lot to a few people, you know, like it wasn't a huge yeah, yeah. success, but the people no, that it, it was touched, a- the people that it touched, it really touched. And yeah, we were the velvet underground of sketch. <laughs> well, kind of. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, that might seem a little grandiose, but not really, you know, when you think about it. Uh, and I mean, and it was uh, such a no, fertile I mean, place for so many talented people, too. Yeah. And and, uh, um, you know, we were we were, I like to think, very democratic and, uh, um, you know, uh, in our uh, approach to how the show was put together and hearing from people and giving people uh, time and space and, and listening to the ideas and um, uh, and. You know, it it was it spoke to people who were like me when I was, you know, in Roswell, Georgia, not having a very good time. But I had this uh, there was this thing called, you know, comedy that, you know, I could I could escape to. And it when it meant something to me and I saw the importance in it um, and uh, resonated with me. So, um you know, I'm I'm happy to be able to do that for other people. When when you were doing it, was it was it hard? Like, did was it was there a feeling of like it's hard to get traction here? Like, we're doing we're doing something that's good and funny and that we're proud of, and can't we get why can't we get more people to see it? Um, I mean, yes and no. We kind of, uh, I think. There's not a whole lot you can do yeah. once you've done the thing, you've turned it in, and you know marketing says here's our ideas for it, and you go okay, I I hope that works, and yeah. you know we certainly got a lot of great press and and like uh, you know a number of of things there it was uh, um, it was it was not you know wildly su- successful. Um, with people, <laughs> but uh, the critics loved it, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and 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 also championed it. And I don't think we would have gone an extra. You know, we went four seasons, and I don't think we would have gone four if it hadn't been, uh, you know, people at HBO like Dennis Miller and Bill Maher and Gary Shandling specifically all saying you know, to, to those guys, like, you gotta, you gotta keep these guys on the air. It's great. And they were very, 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 uh, you know, helpful with that. And, um, that's nice. uh, Yeah. 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 It was, you know, they, it was, it was a critical darling. And at some point, you know, you go, you know, it's also a business, you know, it's like, it's, it's why, uh, that's why Arrested Development, in part, didn't continue at Fox because it's a business. And at some point, you have diminishing returns, and yeah. they they didn't foresee DVDs being so big. And I think if we had if if Arrested had been one year later, started one year later, uh, it would still be on the air. You know. Oh um, yeah. Oh wow. But yeah. You know, and with HBO, it was uh, we got 
we were on their Friday midnight comedy block. And then for season four, which we busted our ass on, they moved us to Monday at midnight. And we were like, well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. We, that's, we don't go any further than that. Yeah, you are really at the sort of, just at the at the mercy of these people that you go into, the, especially when you're young, you go into the situation thinking like, well, these people know what they're doing. I mean, they're important grownups. And five minutes ago, I could barely figure out how to write a rent check. So they must know what they're doing. And then you realize, oh, no, they don't know any more than, you know, they're just it's, it's a guess, you know, the, yeah. the, and I'm specifically talking about marketing now. It's a it's a crapshoot. And, you know, it's uh, you can only have one number one movie. You can only have 10 top 10 shows. You know, yeah. I mean, it's there's always going to be stuff on the back end and stuff. And you, you you give it a shot. And we there were no stars that you could hang uh, uh in front of people it was bob and i and yeah. you know nobody knew who the fuck we were or or cared and yeah. you know and it was also a very uh you know insular community you know yeah. and uh and also people don't like being told uh hey this there's this really cool thing on if you don't like it you're not cool or whatever right. the attitude might right. be right right you know um I'm yeah, I've always tried to be sympathetic to the people that try and sell things like, you know, shows that I was on that didn't do particularly well and feel like, well, fuck, I don't know how I'd advertise that. And, and yeah, there, it's a, and it's, yeah, there, there have been things that I've been on that are like, no, that that's as big as it should be. You know, like that, like that's never going to be it's not going to be, you know, some Tim Allen vehicle, the thing that I'm in. It's right. going to be yeah. smaller, you know. Yes. And there are, you know, you, you have, uh, uh, you know, maybe not on the networks, but in uh, uh, other platforms, you in other media, you have, you have a, a, the rewards aren't as great, but you have more autonomy. And, and we got to do what we wanted to do on Mr. Show. And, mm -hmm. uh, um, but, you know, I can't, I wouldn't trade that in for anything. And, uh, um, you know, it, it just... Uh, they, they couldn't figure out how to make it cost effective. Yeah, yeah. Which is saying a lot because I mean we <laughs> we didn't, it didn't get cost any money. anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean uh, uh, we were always in awe of what Troy Miller, the director, was able to how he could make something look for five thousand uh, dollars budget. Yeah. And, you know, shoot a uh, he he was pretty amazing at that. Yeah. How long between uh, Mr. Show and, and Arrested? Uh, well, Mr. Show's last year was 98, and Arrested was, I want to say, 2004? Yeah, yeah. Maybe? Yeah. Something like that. Uh, I'm not sure exactly, but... I think, um, I think that's about right. Well... No, I think arrested. Earlier? No, arrested would have been about two thousand and one, two thousand and two, just based on. Yeah, you know what? You're right because I remember yeah. I had. Yeah, I had moved to New York, in uh, two thousand one, and then um, I had just started a relationship with this girl. We we ended up going out for for a while, but I remember shooting the pilot because I was going to be. Um, 
Tobias was, uh, uh, and it was why, I, in part, why I was attracted to that role was because uh, I told everybody, I don't even want to read the script. I'm not moving back to L.A. It took me forever to get out of there, yeah. you know, and then I finally did. And um, and I don't want to leave New York. And uh, and then I, I shot the pilot in part because Tobias was just going to be reoccurring initially. Um, uh, and I remember shooting the pilot and then uh, calling my my then girlfriend on that little um, second floor where the Beverly connection is across uh -huh. the Beverly Center. There was yeah, a soup yeah. plantation I used to go to, uh -huh. and uh, being on that little bridge, the little connector thing, and calling her and going, hey, so I think I'm going to have to do this show. It's pretty amazing. I mean, it's an amazing, it's going to be great, and just having that conversation with her. Yeah, know? yeah. And uh, and how, I mean, so you knew right away, like, that, that what that show was going to be and what it was going right to be. Away. Yeah. Right away, right yeah. away. Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, it was... Uh, yeah, right away. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, again, like I've just, you know, I had to tell this girl in New York that, you know, we were starting this relationship. Like, I think I have to move to LA for nine months a year. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> now we, um, you didn't, uh, at least initially, did you, you didn't really write for them. You didn't really contribute. a, a Oh, I never wrote for them. Uh, yeah, yeah. no, I never wrote. It was, I mean, I have suggestions sometimes and, right. uh, in the beginning there was, uh, uh, improv was, um, tacitly encouraged and, uh, at least for me. And, uh, and then very quickly though, I mean, very quickly, just, there was no room for it. Yeah, yeah. Even if you, the script started getting very dense and, uh, and the cutting was a little more manic because Fox was continuing to cut the show down so they could have 30 more seconds of advertising mm -hmm. uh, dollars, you know, and then that happened every year. And so we'd have like 30 seconds left, 30 seconds left. And then meanwhile, the scripts were getting longer and denser. And, um, and I mean, I can point to a handful of things that I improvised, but after, Certainly after the first year, I don't think you're going to see much. Yeah. Just because there's well, no room. You know? was, that the was that the first time that you had the experience in just acting in something that you felt like was so within your wheelhouse? Like, you know, like, you know what I mean? Because there's. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Because from my perspective, there's so many times if I'm going to act on something, it's very rare that I feel like this is an expression of me. Like I could have been in on the writing of this. You know, yeah, yeah. I, um, I mean, after, you know, after Mr. Show, you end up doing like all these. Uh, I, I think we repeated maybe three characters on that show, maybe. Mm -hmm. You know, and there was, uh, I know Senator Chankerbell pops up a couple times, and and it, which was by design. That was in uh, a rule we had, and Ronnie Dobbs is in there a couple times, and right. uh, then you know did the movie and stuff. But DeLong outside Dannon, of that, you don't did really... DeLong Pray Dannon reoccur? <laughs> I don't think so. I still every I time I so. <laughs> every time I drive down DeLong Pray, I I think oh DeLong Pray Dannon, like I know exactly. Well, that was that my name. street. I lived yeah, on yeah. that street, so that's why. I, I, oh, DeLong Pray Dannon. <laughs> <laughs> such an excellent name yeah um yeah i think she only makes it in once but uh um, yeah, yeah uh but yeah it was it was the first thing that i could like really 
you know, get my hooks into and kind of create this character that you could explore and, and find new things to do with and, uh, and actually became a little bit more uh, than a two-dimensional sketch character, you know? So that was mm-hmm. the first opportunity I had to do that. Um, and now how, cause that show when it's, if, if, forgive me if I, if I don't remember, but I feel like it opened, it started kind of splashy, like that, like it was getting some attention and it was getting, you know, well, like well received. Was, you know, yeah. Fox was, uh, you know, it was a big studio and they had a lot, uh, they, you know, put a, put a nice rollout uh in front of it and it did it, it did not do well with the numbers uh never did um yeah. but we were critically successful and and you know the worst thing for fox uh i i think in my in my opinion regarding arrested development was the fact that it won a couple emmys yeah and um and they were kind of forced to you know uh pick it up and they were forced to pick it up a third time um but they you know it was it was not one of their favorite shows for sure yeah yeah i mean i at the at the time i was making uh when you guys were shooting that i was working on the show quintuplets and i was uh, and you did uh you did arrested you know i did i did yeah that was like yeah. and i've explained this to people that part of having um the love of mitch Hurwitz. And and the gang there, Jim Vallely and the different writers that were there, like part of having them love you and want to work with you is uh, having to be humiliated by them. Like that their their love is a love that's very sort of like, like they knew, like I was on the show Quintuplets, which was a show that I didn't have any input in really that was not within my comedic wheelhouse. It was... Was that Fox? Yeah, it was Fox. It was just, it was like, I I mean, I used to come over to you guys' show and and I think that's Mitch would know this because I would come over and hang out and be like, "Ah, I wish I was on a show like this rather than this (laughs) show that I'm on where I'm father of five teenagers and they're all just... (laughs) It's all just like it was like a dirty family comedy, like just like a <laughs> Fox dirty family comedy. Kids saying dirty stuff, and so like they, I did one little bit in an early episode where I just I was myself and I threw down a sandwich or something. I just remember being mad and and throwing a sandwich on the ground. And it was like during a break in quintuplets. They're like, "Can you come over here for an hour and be angry and yeah. throw a sandwich down or something?" And uh, and, and that's they, your thing. That's the Andy Richter. Oh, absolutely. That's like the classic Andy Richter absolutely. sandwich throwdown. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, uh, in fact, uh, the NFL, they they didn't start spiking the ball until they saw me throwing sandwiches on the ground. They're like, right. what if right. we did that, but with a football? Uh, <laughs> but then they wrote. Because so initially wrote this, they did it, but they would do it with a sandwich, right? The NFL, yeah. they yeah, make, yeah. you know, they get in the end zone. Yep. Either, you know, they run it in or, or somebody would catch the ball. Then. Immediately, yep. they would hand the ball off. There'd be a guy on the side, give mm-hmm. them a sandwich, and then they'd throw the sandwich yep. down. And that then was... they just thought, this is one move too many. Why not right, just exactly. spike the football? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then they'd, be, they'd have to have a specific sandwich cleanup crew, which is like, if right, you just, the right. football's not going to you know get mustard on the ground. 
And I but said, anyway. to him, just get raccoons. Just have three or four <laughs> raccoons in, in each part of the end zone. Right. Exactly. And by the time they'll clear everything off, by the time or, you can go to kick off, it's just stupid. Or a prop sandwich that's made out of rubber or something. You know, like why does it have to be? Yeah, a I sandwich? think people might people might have revolted against that. You're probably right. I think. Yeah. Well, but anyway, back to Mitch. Uh, they wrote me into the show. I was really excited to be part of an episode, but they had to make me quintuplets. Like, because I was on a show quintuplets that that was like, they had to remind me like, Oh yeah, that I show. I think it's that- a stroke of genius. My <laughs> friend, <laughs> you're not sorry. You're not so crazy about. And it also was like, it was also seemed to be like some sort of like dumb, dumb synergy. Like somebody at the network would be like, well, if you're going to be in this other show, because you're on another show called Quintuplets, you can be Quintuplets on this show. And it's like, hey, uh, you can shit on the idea. Of the, I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. And then you got to be the asshole brother. Remember, you got to be the tough, ass, tough guy asshole. I did. I did. And I mean, so, and it took, well, to this day, people still like, it's always like, when I something I'll do something and people say, are you sure that was you and not one of your brothers, one of your quintuplet right. brothers? So, but um, I mean, I loved that show. And I, re- and I remember from having done, because Mitch actually, and he said this, it was very kind of him to say this. It was similar to what you said. If, if Arrested had been on a little bit later, I had done Andy Richter controls the universe and had done two mm-hmm. mid, it was a mid season, two years in a row and I think I was on, I don't know if I was on, uh, the second season was on when you guys started or whether you guys started shortly after that. But Mitch had, at one of the first uh, Television Critics Association things said that without, like, that without the sort of, like, with Gail, without Gail Berman, who was the president of the programming at the time, mm-hmm. without her protecting them, that they could have been they could have been Andy Richter controls the universe. Cause he said people at press conferences would say, what this show is interesting. The show is different. The show is weird, but you just had one like that with Andy Richter controls the universe and you didn't support it. Why would you, why, why should we get mm-hmm. into this show when you're just going to cancel it? Like you did that That's other a show. Great question. Yeah. And, and apparently it kind of forced them, like you said, that and some Emmys kind of forced them to be like, oh, no, 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 we'll, we're going to stick by it. We're going to, yeah. don't worry, we'll be with you. And I remember talking to Jim Vallely after you guys won the Emmy. It was like the last Emmy you guys won because uh, I, was again, was working on quintuplets. I drove into work and there's a big banner across the the where the guard gate was. Oh, that's one of my favorite stories Well, you ever. tell it. You tell it. It's, uh... <laughs> so... Um, you know, Fox had a number of shows that, that won Emmys. I don't know what their big winner might've been that year. Uh, but we won a couple, I believe. Um, and there was this, uh, when you come into the gate and just, if you, for your listeners who don't know, Fox uh, studios is huge. It's massive. And, you know, as you come into the main gate, you know, all these, uh, uh, huge hangars where you shoot things, uh, movies and, um, with, with, uh, these huge murals that are, you know, several stories high, like there's a star Wars one and there's, yeah. uh, um, you know, and, and all the, 
And then there's the New York set. You know, New York Street set is is just to your left. You come in, it's just this magical thing. Huge, yeah, it's it's uh, movie making hits place. you in the face. Yeah, it's yes, movie making yes, yeah. immediately. And there's this banner that they it, it, and I am not exaggerating. It really felt like someone was like, "Oh shit, can you go down to the ninety nine cent store <laughs> and get some decorations?" You know, it's uh, it's it's. Uh, you know, it's Jerry's uh, birthday, but, you know, whatever. It was this, the the strings, the rope, whatever, that attached the banner were about five times longer than the actual banner, which was a really small <laughs> vinyl thing that they had made up that yeah. just said, congratulations, Arrested Development on your Emmys. And it was, I mean, it was, I'm going to, I don't know, but I'm going to say it was about probably seven feet tall and maybe 15 feet across something yeah, like that it wasn't, and the, yeah. the actual things that connected to the other buildings were way 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 like they didn't have a true band like you go to these other places and they have these massive you know congratulations uh yeah. you know the simpsons a banner a banner that would have filled that space would probably have been about 100 feet wide probably you know, and yeah. this one is yeah, uh, this one is like yeah. what you'd see outside a taco stand. You know, yes, but but uh, and it looked so ridiculous and small and strange and like just like this afterthought, uh, and it was just like, are you kidding? Wow, um, you know, because their other shows had you know they just have these huge banners for all their other things that won Emmys. Yeah. Um, well, I remember talking to Jim Vallely, too, because the day that I saw it, what what night was arrested on? Was it on Monday night? Do I, you remember? Don't, I don't remember. Because I think it was on Monday when I saw it, because the Emmys are on Sunday. And I saw the banner, and then I and then that night the show was on, and it like it did a dismal rating. And the next day the banner <laughs> yeah. was gone. It was like you got one yeah. day of banner, and then the ratings were <laughs> shitty, and fuck it, put that banner away. That would have been great to yeah. get that banner. I wonder if somebody still has that, or if it just like went straight into the trash. I don't know. I wish. I wish because it was also just uh, um, there was nothing special about it. It was just the words and like the little Monopoly houses and the font, the Arrested Development font. Yeah, and it was just tiny. It was above the security hut. You yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad somebody well, else noticed that besides us. Yeah, no, I, I, I loved it. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Hi, I'm comedian Eliza Schlesinger, and I've got my podcast, Ask Eliza Anything, where you can submit me your burning life questions, and I will give you real advice. Go to Denver, be young, get you a black lab named Bailey, and she'll be like, well, then just have it anyway. And then you'd be like, it tastes like blood. Please don't. We moved. We moved and my husband died. I'm not here. I died too. You know, when people's like, happy holidays from the Thompsons. What they're really saying is, look how great we look. We're all still alive. And we're all wearing blue jeans. You're looking at us. Listen to Ask Eliza Anything wherever you get your podcasts. 
Can't you tell my love's a growing? Um, well, we're, I, I want to make sure we get done on time, but I want to. I also want to talk about Todd Margaret. I want to. I want to hear a little bit about that show because that show was so funny and so unique, and you had to go to England to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, uh, 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 thank you, first of all. Uh, but briefly, that was yet another thing that wasn't really my idea. I was uh, in London doing stand-up, um, and uh, I, I was doing like a two-week residency at the 100 Club, and um, these two women came up to me after a, a set, and, uh, you know, would you be interested in doing a co-production? And I was, it was the end of the night. And I was pretty drunk already and, uh, um, and, you know, having a really good time. And, um, and they, they were like, uh, you know, would you be interested in doing a co-production, uh, uh, uh States and English co-production and, you know, come doing a comedy show. Uh, I was like, yeah, sure. And they gave me a card and then I, uh, didn't call them or anything. And, uh, and then it was like three days later, I was like, Oh yeah, those ladies, those ladies asked about doing a show. Maybe that'd be a cool idea. And, um, so I got in touch with them and we met at, at a pub and talked a while. And, and, and then the way that I came up with the idea was I knew I couldn't do a, a good English accent, certainly not for the run of a show. Um, yeah. And I knew I had to be, you know, an American uh, who is in England uh, for whatever reason. And then um, I don't know how I came up with the, you know, initial idea, but um, eventually I did. Uh, but I had those I had those kind of parameters that I had to work within. Like it's going to have to be me being a guy from America with an American accent. And um, and then. Uh, and then, yeah, I got to, uh, uh, you know, work on this crazy show. That's another one that was, uh, a, a, you know, there's not a lot of people who were, meh, it's okay about it. Like, people either really love it or they really hate it. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and the only reason we got to do a third ser- series, which was years later, um, especially because, you know, the, the show ends in a very... I won't spoil it for people who might want to check it out, but in a very conclusive way that you can't have a third series yeah. uh, after the second series um, was because of Netflix, because it didn't do very well initially. It was on IFC. Numbers weren't good. Um, you know, creative, it, critically, it was kind of so-so. Um, and then it went on Netflix and got this huge audience. Like, we we never expected. And then you know, IFC was like, Hey, uh, let's do another one. And I was in the middle of doing completely other projects and, uh, uh different projects and in the middle of them. I was like, I, how do I even, I mean, wh- how can you do a third series? There, there's no way to do it. Everybody ends up in this particular situation. And, um, and then one of the writers, Mark Chappell, I wrote it with Sean Pye and Mark Chappell, um, had this, like I, I said, look, I'll, I'll reach out to the other guys. I don't know how you do it. I'm not, I'm not that interested in, you know, finding out. And then, uh, like an hour later, Mark Chappell emailed me back going, Hey, what about if this happens and this happens? And it was just such a brilliant idea that I was like, Oh shit. Now I got to go back to England for another <laughs> nine months. And, um, but I really, I think I, I, 
you, you have to get past the first episode, which is not very good. The, the first episode is, is just, it's tough for me to watch. It's a, it's a mess. And, uh, um, and you also have to buy into the fact that he's the world's dumbest guy. I mean, he yeah. truly is the dumbest. He's really, man really on the stupid. Yeah, he, he's really stupid. And uh, but I think you know, if it would be an interesting thing to see all eighteen episodes back to back to back because of the story. It's it, and you know, there's no reset. Everything happens the next day or right when you leave off. You pick yeah. up right where it left off, and. And, you know, and you see in the very first show, the very first thing you see is, you know, this guy who's kind of beat up on the dock in this uh, ridiculous list of crimes, you know, terrorism and uh, all kinds of stuff. And you're like, that guy? And then it goes two weeks earlier. And and so everything leads up to that point. Um, and then to go the series three, which is completely different. And uh, I, 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 it'd be... I haven't watched him in forever, uh, so it'd be an interesting exercise to watch them all, kind of all together. Especially as you get into series three, which is so crazy different, but then loops around, you know, because it makes this huge Mobius strip loop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, people should watch it. It's on Netflix now. It still is on uh, all three seasons. I think I don't think it's on Netflix anymore. But if you go, I mean, you can find it on streaming somewhere yeah amazon maybe probably has amazon probably has it or ifc maybe yeah yeah, IFC, yeah if they I, I don't know i would imagine ifc because it was a channel four co-pro until the first season was and then season two is and season three are just ifc so mm. i would imagine ifc i don't know however it works but i'm uh uh the first episode is tough to watch it's not very good i will say that but it gets a lot better you're a hell of a salesman let me just say that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this restaurant's great, but the appetizers are shit. Uh, just so you know. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about fatherhood because, uh, you know, you kind of have come late to fatherhood. And I want to know, like, what your attitude about it was throughout your life. And was it something you thought you'd do? And, and, and I mean, I imagine you like it. Oh, I love it. I mean, yeah. uh I mean, first of all, I have a great partner. My my wife is. Uh, uh, um, I was thinking about this today. Just I'm so uh, lucky to have her as a partner in this whole thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and not just as a mother, but as a wife too. You know, and. Um, uh, but she's but, a really she's you know, a brilliant human being. You know, so that 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 helps. I, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't. Go oh, that all right, far, all right, but, all right. Um, I mean, I'm. You know, I'm, tr I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> um, no, she's she's amazing, and uh, um, and you know, uh, uh, as I'm sure uh, so many other people are, are aware of, you know, being being locked up in a in a tight space with your wife and three year old can be trying. And you know, as I said, we're only into week three, so we'll see where we are in week eleven. But um, yeah, yeah. But I, I love this kid. She's she's awesome, and I like uh, every cliche is true in a cliche yeah, for yeah. a reason. And uh, um, did you, you know, think you uh, did you think you were gonna did you think you were gonna be a dad? I mean, I I harbored hope that it would 
I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was optimistic and I didn't try to make it happen except for uh, earlier than, uh, no, I wouldn't say we tried, but um, uh, I did, I definitely did. Once I got, um, you know, I settled down into a relationship with Amber and, um, and, you know, I, I was, where I was before I met Amber was, I was, a you know, a bit of a mess. I mean, I wanted to be, but maybe not as severe as it was, but, um, you know, I was, uh, I was very ready to say goodbye to that part of my life and that lifestyle and, and to, uh, I guess what, you know, it, it has a negative connotation, but the idea of settling down, um, yeah. you know, uh, uh, but I was happy to do that. And, and then having a kid would just made total sense. And, um, uh, um, and, you know, I, I just, uh, I, she's, you know, I, I was very, uh, I was anxious about, uh, whether, and I, I, talked about this once before, but I was, I was, uh, always in the back of my mind. It's sometimes right smack dab in the front of my mind, like a blinding light was this idea of, do I have the genetically am, do I have the thing that my dad had? And I've never understood it. I never understood how you can have three kids and then just leave. I mean, yeah. and I mean, leave. I mean, yeah. you're there one day, you're not there the next, and you're disconnected, and you're, uh, like, um, I, I just was very worried that that would and could be a thing, that I would somehow look at this kid at some point and go, yeah, I don't love you. I don't love, I don't love you. I don't love you. I'm, I, I really got to do what's right for me, you know, and... Um, and uh, so that's always in the back of my mind. And um, and I talked to my sister, too, about it, and she's had those same feelings. Um, uh, you know, is there, a, is there a, is something in your DNA that makes you like that? And uh, it almost uh, seems I, like... I don't believe there is. Yeah, it seems like... I mean, the way you describe it, it's almost like, am I a werewolf? Like, you know, like if, the, if a full moon comes, will I, you know, destroy everyone around me? But I don't, you yeah. know, I mean, the, the short answer is you're not a narcissistic sociopath, you know? No, I, I yeah, but there's, but I am self-absorbed and I am, I, everything is viewed through a lens of me, you know, and, uh, um, and I don't know. It's just, it's. Is it still something you it, worry about? I mean, it, I don't worry about it like I used to uh, yeah. by any stretch. And I don't think I don't think that I'm going to suddenly, you know, or even gradually get to that point. It's but it's, you know, it's a uh, it's there in the back. Of my yeah. Head, you know, yeah. Do I do I is that do I have that capability? Would I ever do that? Would I find a, 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 a justification for it? You know, even if I make it up and it's not real to other people, would I find a justification with going, I can't deal with this. I can't work this way, you know, and then just I, I 
truly don't imagine that yeah, to be yeah. the case. But I don't think so either. I mean, you don't because there is kind of a there's a there's a I don't know. There's like it's like it it, it almost kind of borders on evil the ability to not care about about people like that, like to be able to just completely unplug from your concern or, or, or from empathy. And I don't think, you, you know, you don't strike me as somebody that has that, like you might, no, you know, you, you know, might uh, be, you might be selfish, but you, you know, you are aware of what you're doing and, and the, the path that you're cutting through life, you know? Right. Yeah. Again, I don't, I don't think that, uh, it's just, you know, it's just there. That, yeah. But I, I'm not, I don't, I don't feel a strong concern. Yeah. It's your uh, legacy. It's your, it's your legacy to, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to be worried about yeah. cutting, cutting, cutting loose and leaving. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, Thanks, I think Dad. it's. <laughs> Thanks, Obama. <laughs> it's, you know, I think like, I mean, my dad wasn't real present and I always is, you know, and I've always kind of, I think before I became a dad, I was like, oh, shit, do I even know how to do this, really? I mean, because I didn't have like a, you know, I didn't have like a a constant kind of father, you know, father figure to just kind of imprint on me, which, you know, you just kind of assume that you're going to know how to dad because you were dadded, you know, you're going to know how to father because you were fathered. And I didn't really, you know, and I've said it before, I I kind of think I just ended up uh, doing my version of mothering. You know, I like I didn't like I didn't understand the difference between dad and mom. So I just kind of, you know, like my fathering involves a lot of uh, cooking and and talking about feelings, which I don't think is traditional fathering techniques. You know, well, uh, but our generation, it is. Yeah, know, I, I guess it is. So, uh, yeah, you know, but but. Yeah, that's a good thing. That seems, yeah. you know, getting outside of the, the stereotypes and the archetype of, you know, the dad is uh, reserved and strict and, right. you know, but got to please him. You know, it's good. Yeah, to get yeah, out yeah. Of that. Well, and I think, I think, yeah, I think we're just kind of more towards a healthier attitude about parenting where it's kind of like there isn't so much mothering and fathering as there is just parenting and that we all, like everybody's, everybody's got to change a diaper and everybody's got to, you know, cook a dinner now and then. Yeah. So, well, uh, the second part of the three questions aspect of this thing is uh, where are you going? And I'm, you know, do you have. (laughs) We're only on question two. Yeah, Good yeah. It's, it's well, that, we're not going to talk for that long. The, the the first one is the long one. The second two are easy. All right. What is it? Uh, where are you going? What's the question? Like, what do you what are you looking like? What is there out there that you haven't done that you want to do? Is or is it just kind of continuing on and and raising a kid and being a husband? I mean, uh, it's. Uh... It's raising a kid, and and uh, for sure. And uh, um, I, there are certain things that I've wanted to do that um, I, I, I'm going to have to be more proactive. And I'm not sure if my, you know, I think now that I have a kid, it, it's uh, be both easier and harder uh, uh, eventually. But they're like, I want to, I want to climb Machu Picchu, and I want to go stay in a nice hotel and see the Northern Lights, and those things that I've wanted to do since I was like, you know, 20. Uh, 
yeah, maybe now I'll do them since I'm getting older and I have a kid and I can bring her along. Um, yeah. Uh, as far as like uh, career wise, I mean, I I'm just gonna write when I can when when a idea hits me, I I write it up and I uh, or I try to sell it and then write it up and um, uh, probably continue to try to create things that allow me to stay in New York. Um, and, uh, and more than anything, more than any of those other things, I'm, I'm in the middle of, uh, writing a script that I'm going to turn in as soon as it's done to a, uh, a production company that I sold this idea to. Um, well, they approached me about this idea and I, you know, whatever, but, uh, um, so I owe that script and then, um, I'm really, 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 really looking forward to getting another hour together and going out on the road as, as hard as it can be. Um, uh, I really, I just keep coming back to stand up as like the thing that I love doing the most. Yeah. And I really like performing live. I like touring. Um, it's, just, it, be, it's simple, you know, I mean, you just go on stage and talk, you know, and you don't need a bunch of, you have to wait for people to yeah. get back from vacation to say, oh, okay, you can write another version of this, you know? Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I, it's just up to getting the hour together. And that's also one of the most enjoyable processes of, uh, you know, I, I get on my bike or I walk down to one of a handful of places in Brooklyn where I do these shows and I record them and then I transcribe them and I start building up material and then I have the material and then I book the shows and I go out on the road and do them. You know, it's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not dependent upon anyone else to sign off on anything or to tell yeah. me whether that joke can stay or not. Um, and then just performing live is just, I just, I love it. And, and I've got, I, I know it's corny and everybody says this, but I've just, I've got some fucking awesome fans. And I, you know, when I'm away from that feeling, uh, I miss that and I miss you know, doing those shows and interacting with them. And, you know, it's just, it's just cannot be replicated in any other way. Yeah. Um, all right. See, that was the second question. Now it's the third question. What have you learned? Okay. Uh, you like, is there, is there sort of a point to, uh, to being David Cross that you'd like to, to let people know? Well, I've learned uh, this make come as a surprise to some people who, uh, um, but I've learned and unfortunately too late, uh, to be, um, nicer, to be not as, to be more, uh, you know, I think there are a lot of people who, um, you know, find me off-putting, uh, or have found me off-putting and I'm, uh, um, and, uh, obnoxious or, um, uh, you know, uh, you mean just like too, know, like opinionated without a lot of room and, and too easy to judge kind of thing or. I think so. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, but that mixed with obnoxiousness, um, in the way that I present things and, uh, um, uh, condescending, uh, um, and, and, ways that I don't intend, but look, that's how it's coming off. And that's what it is. And, uh, um, and also 
in part with that to not be uh, so to be better about being in a social setting with fans and not be so um, I, I'm trying to be a better be better uh, human being uh, um, <laughs> and a noble pursuit uh, uh, and just and it and it took me you know, I would just, a lot of it is just awkwardness. I feel awkward and I feel not, uh, you know, there's, it's, it's, anyway, it's, I, we're getting into an area that I'm not sure I want to get into, but, um, you know, it's been a, a problem of mine for, for a while. And, um, uh, and I cover, I cover up my, uh, awkwardness in different ways and, and, uh, um, and my un- uncomfortable uh, in certain settings, and, or discomfort in certain settings, and, um, uh, and I'm trying to be better at that. And I am. I have gotten better. In fact, I think uh, even on the last tour, I I was definitely like way more friendly and amenable uh, uh, to you know fans and stuff like that. Whereas I just don't take a compliment well, and I get it's very awkward, and I and I and I come off as, you know, I come off as a dick sometimes. And, uh, and I, 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 I get it. I'm trying to be better at that and, and learning to be better at that. Um, is that... And, w- and one part, and you, you must know this is that, you know, having uh, a little kid, you are going to have, uh, well, not currently, but, uh, if things were normal, you would have three, four, five, six, seven exchanges a day with strangers a lot of chit chat and uh and i just stuff that i don't wouldn't care to be in that conversation uh but you have to be and you have to be nice and and you know uh uh, because of that and that that's also you know helping me to be better at that just just to be truly engaging and not like whatever is that making any sense? I feel it like makes it makes ab- no, it makes absolutely absolute sense. And yeah, it's because it's yeah, as you get older, it does kind of matter. It uh, does, and I, you know, it just. I was saying, uh, I was saying earlier about being being in this small town, and and uh, as I said, this is uh, I've had this place. Uh, it's going on thirteen years now, and um, and I have a a lot of uh, good friends up here and a lot of friends that, you know, I, in other situations, they wouldn't be my friends. I wouldn't be their friends. And, and we have a lot of uh, disagreements about things, but uh, that has helped me as well. Um, uh, Not be so, not have this shield up, you know? Yeah. And, and as I said before, like, you know, you can have real conversations with people that where I think, uh, you know, 10 years ago, they would have dismissed me out of hand and I would have dismissed them out of hand. Oh, this guy's one of these kind of guys. And that's been very helpful. You know, uh, I think I'm, I'm for, for in both ways, you know, or both sides right. of the street. It's mutually beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I mean, I think I think you're a pretty great guy. I mean, you know. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. Um and I'm going to let you go, get back to your wife and your kid. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. 
And uh, I hope to see you uh, sometime within the next, uh, you know, seven or eight years that we can all leave our yeah. perspective bunkers. Um, yeah, when and, we take planes again. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, thanks a lot, David. And, uh, all right, thank and you, Andy. You're welcome. And thank you all out there for listening. Uh, we will get back at you next time on The Three Questions. I've got a big, big love. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It's produced by me, Kevin Bartelt, executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, associate produced by Jen Samples and Golit Sahayek, and engineered by Will Beckton. And if you haven't already, make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.